Welcome to my Leap of Faith podcast. I'm going to take you on my journey of living a life that felt completely inauthentic and unfulfilling to discovering myself through the help of healers, crystals, psychedelics, plant medicines, and learning to trust my own intuition. I'm continuing to let go and leap every day to find deeper clarity into my own gifts and what my soul's purpose is in this lifetime, and I want to bring you along for the ride. She told me as I woke from walking asleep Below it at night she saw your feet A heavier feet stand deeper Deeper than you know Farther than you go this wild mother Hello everyone, welcome back. There have been some energies coming in this weekend and I decided to up my microdose um, just a little. I have been only doing the microdosing, which is such a minimal amount. There is really no perceptual thing other than maybe you feel more heart expanded. But I decided to harness these energies and do a, I think they call it a mini dose which is for me was 0.5 grams. So it's really a minuscule amount still, but I was like just testing the waters to see what, what would happen. And um, for the most part, like in the beginning, nothing, like I went about my normal daily things and didn't really feel anything. And then I had this kind of knowing of, you need to lay down and go into meditation. <laughs> and it, it was interesting. Um, first, it was like just relaxing, which actually first was my breath and, and tuning it to the waves of the ocean, which is interesting because that is how I get people to relax in sessions. So yeah, it was just um, using the waves to slow down my breath and get into the rhythm of that um, kind of heartbeat of Mother Earth. And then I remember th this feeling of, okay, now let go of the tension in your shoulders. And you know how it's funny, you don't realize you carry tension anywhere until you let it go. But so I did, and I, I was like, oh, I guess I was holding some there. And then there was like this feeling of letting go of the tension in my hands, which again, you don't realize that you're carrying tension there, but I apparently was. So I just let that go. And then I had a journey and um, there were many downloads and the one that is sticking out to me most is um, what I want to talk about this week. And it all is centering around the spider web and how to weave your web and how to understand your web. So I like as I was preparing this episode, I, I went into my animal books. As you guys know, I love spirit animals. And I, I got some um, beautiful writings that I want to share with you before we go into what the downloads were. So the first is... The sun rises and my work begins. After laying the scaffolding and radiant lines, I begin weaving in earnest, working from the outside in. I interlock each slender scaffold with my silk, knitting them together step by step. Around and around I go, being sure the tension is equally distributed throughout. Then, ending in the center, I admire my creation and retreat upward to await the universe, uh, to, to await what the universe will deliver. 
The spider can happily bundle you up in silk and draw out any anxious or worried energy you're holding onto so that you can emerge ready to create. And this came from um, the Book of Beasties, which is by Sarah um, Bamford Seidelman. The next thing was from Kim Cran's uh, Wild Unknown Spirit Animal deck. And this is the spider is an ingenious creator. Its greatest gift is weaving the thread of Dharma into a vast, intricate web that supports the spider and those around it. And finally, in my Medicine Cards deck by Jamie Sands and David Carson, the, the message was, the spider's body is made like the number eight, consisting of two lobes, um, like parts connected at, at, the, at the waist, and eight legs. The spider is the symbol for infinite possibilities of creation. The spider weaves the web of fate for those who get caught in her web and become her dinner. This is similar to humans who get caught in the web of illusions in the physical world and never see beyond the horizon into the other dimensions. The web of fate also represents a wheel of, the wheel of life, which does not include any alternatives or solutions. It is typically human to get caught in the polarity of good and bad fortune without realizing that we can change it at any time. If we are not decisive enough about changing our lots in life, we may end up being consumed by our fears and limitations. So I wanted to pull those forward because they all, wow, like bring up this, what the download was is that we each uh, are making our own webs. We each have these energetic creations around us. And we think of these um, things that come into our lives that are challenging as challenges and we want to retreat from them, but they actually are our teachers. And that web that you've created around you is the the thing that draws in those challenges so that you can evolve in this life. And the problem is that we obviously were never taught to look at these obstacles or um, let's say if it's relationships or, or conflicts or whatever they are as things that help you to grow. We just want to retreat and escape from them. But every single person, animal, job, conflict, relationship, or happiness is a fractal of you manifesting in this third dimension. So every single part of your web is you, right? So every single thing that is in what you perceive as in your way to happiness or growth or whatever is contributing to your dark night is actually you manifest in this third dimension to teach you something about yourself so that your soul can evolve in this lifetime. And our job is to see them as the teachers and to not push them away, but to embrace them for the gold of the knowledge that they bring. And we're just never taught how to do that. We never, you know, realize that it's all a cyclical thing. Like you go through the ups and downs so that you can understand when something comes into your life that is expanding you and making you push out of your limits or out of your confines. It's 
it is exactly that. It's an expansion of your soul, of what you understand as reality. And letting it change you and letting it bring you into the darkness and then letting that darkness nurture you and letting that nurturing fertilizer be exactly that. The course um, that the course of new life that is blossom blossoming into this new reality, which is you. And and right, we can't kind of break through that soil of our, our own making until you go through the darkness, right? We have to go through the darkness to get that. And and then I, ha- I had the, the writing is, what is the point to try to escape? What is here to bring you home to your center of no thing? And by that, it means that, I know lately it's been coming up a lot, is that we are nothing, we are everything. But the only way to get to your center of expansion is to be nothing, to be a, an empty vessel of understanding that whatever is passing through your web is literally for your goodness, or for your expansion, for your growth, for your life. And can we love it all? And can we not try to escape those dark times? And can we learn how to honor them? And can we let them break us down and decay what is ready to be mulched and put back into the earth? So the way they showed this to me is that, because <laughs> as you know, my downloads come in usually in um, kind of epiphanies about my life, which I'm ex- just because I'm here in this now moment, not experiencing the dark night of the soul. I have had a huge dark night of the soul, which uh, essentially was the catalyst for me to break through and find my my spirit and find my higher self. So um, in this ex- this journey, they showed me that. Um, I don't believe I've ever talked about this, but we, uh, when we moved to California, I think it's been about eight years ago now. Um, obviously Richard's a vet and we had bought in our first house and he was working, um, in a hospital that had a contract with a, a pet store, which at that time there, those were allowed in California at that time in this area. So this um this puppy came in and um he was sick from the moment that they the pet store got him and because they had this contract with Richard's vet hospital he basically stayed in the vet hospital for i think it was 3 months just on all these medications and in the end the pet store decided that they were just going to put him to sleep because they couldn't sell him so i didn't know any of this obviously but one night Richard brought him home and um you know, I didn't, he, he told me, he, look, he's sick. I don't know how long he's going to be with us, but he needs a home and we're obviously not going to put him to sleep. And of course, me, I was like, yeah, let me at him. He was like the neediest little guy from the very beginning. And, you know, he had spent his childhood or his th- first three months of, of, you know, existence in a cage. And, he was just crazy and he couldn't really breathe. He had um, a lung disease and he had pneumonia, which made his lungs were very uh, moist. And so you could hear him breathing like, <laughs> like he couldn't breathe. And he brought so much love into our lives and was just, 
it's hard to say, but it's like when an animal or probably anyone needs you so much more than someone that's healthy, it it's like it's an expansion of you because you feel actually needed versus like my other dog Peaky at the time she always had this little attitude she's from the Bronx and she's kind of like I got it lady (laughs) so uh Iggy was the complete opposite he was uh, just uh, needing a love as much love as we could give him and even though we both knew he was sick you know he was we were able to manage his illness and with medication and you know just taking extra good care of him And um, I didn't realize this until yesterday when this journey happened, but they showed me that he came into our lives at the exact time that we were exploring having children and just learned that I couldn't have children or I had already had um, a couple of miscarriages because I could get pregnant, but my genetics made it so that my eggs were not viable. And he came in at exactly that time that we were exploring doing um, like infertility treatments. And it's funny because now in hindsight, I can see like, oh, okay, yeah, he did. He came in at that time. But I, at the time, obviously didn't see them as correlating in any way. But what they showed me is that he was a, a three-dimensional manifestation of what I was to go through in the next two years, which for me was accepting and nurturing myself, even though I had found out that I had this genetic disorder. And could I love myself even though? Could I still love myself knowing that I technically, in my eyes, was broken? And of course, again, back at the time, no, I did not love myself and no, I did not see that in any way. So Iggy was there with me through all of the, you know, ups and downs, the shots, the hoping, and then the crashing moments of all of the miscarriages that I had. And, you know, he, we called him the slow licker because whenever one of us was feeling down, he would just come and just lick you like so slow and so lovingly. But I remember him just being, not only being the thing that I nurtured, but he also was such a nurturer to me during that time. And I know that I knew at the time he was sick, but I also knew we were managing it. Richard was doing his best to make sure his medications were correct. And um, I just didn't have an idea that he would leave us. And fast forward two years, um, we ended up doing one round of IVF. And, and the reason was we, that was the only way that we could genetically test the embryos to see if they actually were viable before implanting them because I had gone through so many miscarriages at that point. And, you know, we, we both had our reservations about doing IVF. We both thought, like, we didn't want to not have a natural child, like, con- conceiving of a child, but already we had gone down the road of other avenues. And I kind of, I don't think I pressured Richard, but I definitely made it clear I wanted to do this. And so he agreed. And 
you know, it's super expensive. It's you put all of your hopes into this basket of, of, you know, a reality that you believe is for you, which is what I, the whole time I had held this hope and, and desire of being a mother to a human baby. So, um, you know, what that means and through this whole two years was many, many shots, many, many office visits with doctors, many miscarriages, all of the things. And Iggy was really my sidekick for all of this. And what I say that, I mean, like he was in the bathroom with me as I was giving myself the shots. He was like my loyal companion all the time. So fast forward to after we had the IVF and the, um, you know, where they took the the eggs out of me and created the embryos, um, you have to wait, like they, they watch them over the, the next couple days and then a week to see which ones are actually viable. So it, it, you know, started out as, okay, you have seven that, that made it into the first stage. And then each day it kind of dwindles and to the point where for us, eventually it was, they were all not viable. And I remember sitting in the bathroom with Iggy that day and just looking at him and saying, you can't leave me. I can't, I can't handle it if you would leave me. So I, I had this kind of conversation with him and it's like, in a way I knew, I knew something was coming because also that in those couple days, I remember I started recording videos of him, which I, you know, I take, I took pictures along the way, but I never had videos and something in me wanted to capture his essence in a video. And then a couple days later, so that would have happened, let's say on a Friday. And by that Monday, I had to leave to go on a work trip. And we woke up that morning and Iggy wasn't feeling good. He could hardly breathe, but I had no choice. I had to go catch my flight. And Richard, thankfully, had the next couple days off. So, um, yeah, I was gone. And on the flight actually out to the East Coast, one of the clouds, I looked out the window and one of the clouds looked like him. And I knew, I knew he was going to be leaving us. And in, I think two days later he had passed. Um, and you know, it was super hard. Like, it's funny because at that time, now I can see like, it was a so much darkness around us. I mean, in a way, actually, when he passed, it was a little bit of a distraction because I could focus on that versus the fact that we're not going to be parents. But then it all came crashing down. And I, oh, you know, I have went through so many moments of blaming myself and also wishing that that I could blame Richard. Why can't he be the one that that is, you know, not able to have children? Because then I could say it's his fault. When if I'm the one that is so like dead set on having them, why am I the one that's the obstacle? And then um, I would I talked to Richard about um, possibly getting an egg donor, or then we talked about doing um, fostering, and we went down that path for a long uh, like a year because there's a long application process. And what that created was such a divide between us. Because he he was coming from this place of we've done everything. If it was meant to be, we would be parents by now. I mean, by that point, it had been like 
three or four years of the of going through this process. And I couldn't see that. I could not see that. I just was like, uh, well, first of all, I want you guys to know I was not a spiritual being at that time. And I wanted to have a family. And I felt like, you know, here we both were able to support children. We're both loving people. We have a good relationship. I, I was thinking externally of this is the next step or, or house with the picket fence and the children and the dogs. And it was the next step. It was the thing. But he didn't see it that way. He felt like I was pushing and pushing and pushing something that wasn't meant to be. And so what I was shown in this um, this journey is that Iggy was came as a 3D manifestation to show me, can you love that part of yourself that's broken and then let it go when it's time to let go? And I was like, what? And then I didn't believe it. I was kind of in this journey like, That didn't happen at the same time. So yesterday I went back and checked the dates and sure enough, it happened within a week period. He left when the dream left, when the the dream died. And what I'm, why I'm bringing this up to you guys is that I couldn't let, I couldn't see it. I, I tried to escape every, every which way about it. We actually couldn't even stay in our house that Iggy died in. We ended up that weekend going, just deciding to go look for other houses. And we ended up finding another house and it all moved really fast and we moved. We, we didn't even spend probably another week in the other house. And I look now and see, wow, we were really trying to escape that reality. Me in the trying to find the next step and Richard, he couldn't physically be in the space where Iggy, uh, you know, took his last breaths. And, you know, I, I even think like, did, did Iggy plan his departure? while I wasn't there because I told him I couldn't handle it. I, it's so weird. I had the conversation with him. You can't leave me because I can't take that right now. So, what I was shown is that it all was part of my web. It was all part of uh, myself trying to show myself in the third dimension what love is. And when it's done, it's done. And can I let go of what my hopes and dreams of something are? And can I just be in the in the actual reality? You know, and I think a lot of us suffer because we are holding on to hopes that are not meant for us in this life. So, you know, I'm so thankful that he came and and that he was shared that time with me, but I didn't get it. I didn't get that lesson and I didn't even start my awakening until three years later. So I, I went even deeper into the depths of despair, you know, to the point where I was just a shell of a person. Um, I didn't know who I was, clearly. I didn't wasn't happy in my job, but I, I, you know, I stayed with that. Richard and I were in a bad place. You know, on the outside, everything looked okay and looked fine. But I didn't know who I was anymore because once I once that reality of not being a mom it was gone, it's kind of like, okay, now what? You know, what where do I go from here? <sighs> so 
the lesson here was that all of it was a, a, t- a moment, a moment of can you face the the depths of your biggest illusions about yourself. My illusion about myself was that I was put here to be a mother. And then they showed me, you've been a mother for 11 years. You've been a mother to my first dog, which, you know, she's still with us. And you have been a mother. It's an energy. It's that energy of nurturing that what you were craving. You already have been that and you are that. You just had an illusion that you were meant to be a a human mother in this life. And that's it. And can you let go of what you... um, plan for yourself, right? Like we all plan that I want to have this career or this husband and this ch- these children. And we face the, the dark night of the soul when it's not meant for us, when it is literally we're meant to do something else. And that's where you come up against the, the fractal of your soul that's here as a mirror to show you that. And the reality is we all shrink away from it. We all go into depression. We all try to escape it, try to numb it, try to, let's say, eat it, eat it away, drink it away, uh, anything, just get it away from me. But what if we go into it and then that process becomes much smoother and easier to digest and move through? I, I, the main, uh, message of this download is that God, all of it is the web that we weave for for ourselves and for each other, and it's all beautiful. Like they're literally all gifts of and they're teachers for each of our souls to evolve past what society has conditioned us to believe that we want in this life. And I mean, it kind of goes even deeper because I've been dealing with something um, on a personal level. Uh, that we have a family member that has um, had a few animals, dogs, that have been finding accidental um, hurts. Like uh, in the case of this, the latest one is that his he his hip broke. And obviously there is no um, proof of this, but we are struggling with the idea that this their animals are being abused. And this last latest, their newest puppy, um, Richard uh, has, uh, stepped up and paid for the surgeries because they didn't, couldn't afford it. And, you know, they would have put him to sleep. So after this download, I, I brought this up to him too. And I said, if this is true and that each heartache that we each go through, is a lesson for our souls to evolve. How can we, I don't know how to say this, not judge, because I. it's more of like, how can we, we're trying to protect this animal, this dog, from the person that is, he, I believe he's here to teach love and compassion too. And this is an extreme case. I mean, can can we get to that point of even in the the face of abuse see it for the gift that it is did this animal come in to be this person's teacher but it's really hard it's really hard and i mean we can go back you can go through so many scenarios and think about uh, abuse that you've endured or i mean 
I, I don't even want to go down those paths, but the truth is, are they all just fractals of ourselves to learn a deeper part of our souls? It's really hard, you know, I am trying to hold that space open for who, can I not see the black and white in this and can I just allow what is? When, when at the same time, giving compassion and helping out where we can to make these processes easier for other people, but allowing them to go through it, allowing them to feel the depths of the despair of all of it. I I mean, I'm, I'm trying to practice that. I know Richard, even though he's not um, spiritual, <laughs> he sees things in a way that I, he doesn't even need to be spiritual. I mean, he knew he, in the case of this dog, he said, you know, along my life, so many people have helped me and they are a new family. They have a small child. They are still paying for the bills from the last puppy that was, was, um, injured. And instead of judging, how can we step in and help their process move smoother? And God, it's a, it's a challenge. It's a, such a challenge, but I know now that all of the challenges, and I I'm, I think this also came up not only for my healing, because I know that healing needed to come through and the threads needed to be connected, but I know a lot of you guys are going through the dark night, and I I feel it, I feel for you, and I obviously have so much compassion, but I also know that's what got me to where I feel I am today, which is the strongest that I've ever been. And, and the, the knowing that no matter what comes, and I'm sure I'm going to pass another dark night because I think we just keep going through them, but no matter which ones come next, I know myself and I know that it will just be a, a teacher for me to evolve to the next level. So I hope that you guys can also understand that in each of these moments where it feels like there there is no light at the end of the tunnel, you're in it. You are creating your web. You are actually manifesting and going through it. You are in the, the creation of it. And that is such a beautiful place to be. And it's almost like the depths of despair are the things that make this web the strongest, the most glistening. It is the reflection of the work that you put into it because it's you. So yeah, I hope that this is helpful. Also this week, um, you know, I get notifications from Gaia and Matthias Stefano uh, issued his latest episode of initiation, which is called the architects of the sixth dimension. And it's so interesting how this all ties together. And as I, I tell you guys every week, it's all energy, right? It all comes out exactly at the timing that it's meant to. But he gives a perspective of it from a more... Um, I feel like scientifical background where I, I think I bring in the emotion of it and help to connect it from an emotional perspective. He is a very, um, almost like weaving in factual history into what this is. And he clearly shows how in the sixth dimension, we're actually creating, creating this reality. And our gravity is actually what is the the web that pulls us into this and create makes it 
uh, able for us to be in this third dimension, but all of that energy is coming from the sixth dimension, which is the architectural space. So it, it just makes me feel like it is a reality. This web that I'm talking about is you and it's just embracing you. All of the facets, all of the light, all of the dark, all of the gray. And being thankful when you are in the light, but knowing that the dark is going to come. Because why? Because you're a vessel. You're a vessel to receive it all. And that is the beautiful gift of this life. And I'm so thankful to have you guys here to to express these thoughts too. And also to be vulnerable with because, you know, it's all it's all vulnerability. And and to be that no thing is to be able to cry when you need to cry and, and reach out to people when you do need to reach out to them. And just to be open to it all. Don't stop till I let it all in to be away from the thing I won't stop till I let it, let it.